0: put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action, and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Welcome to episode nine. And today we are talking about game changers, photography game changers, food photography game changers. Are you excited? Because I sure am. All right, guys, welcome but also before we start, I just have to tell you that I might sound a little bit different today and that is because God has chosen to give me a sore throat on the day that I needed to record this podcast for you. Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> but I promise that I will try to keep the same energy that you've been seeing and the show will just go on. Even if you don't like my voice, You, I hope that you will like the content and what we have to talk about today. And that is photography game changers. All right. So there are certain photography practices that have not only changed the way I shoot, uh, but there are certain practices that have actually helped my process develop and also the quality of my work. So, you know, recently I was doing a corporate photo shoot. Excuse me. I was doing a corporate photo shoot and it was a festive shoot for Christmas. So you can imagine (laughs) we had like a 10 kg turkey being prepared. We had like a 6 kg ham, a big one, a dozen lobsters and like the freshest, biggest salmon I had ever seen. All of this was being prepared for the shoot. So you can imagine how high the stakes were, all right? So we had a long shoot list and we had to cover everything within two days of shooting. Now, I knew that I had to be in the right head space to be, I, ha- I had to be on the top of my gear, I had to be on the top of my process. And basically, I had to have a very good hold of my workflow if I had to execute that project on time. So I kind of anticipated that I would take about two full days and it would be about eight to 10 hours each day. So you can imagine how important it was for me to be efficient, to be on time, because I was not only coordinating with the kitchen, I was uh, preparing the compositions and there was just so much going on and there was a back and forth. So timing was everything. Efficiency was everything. And I had to finish within the allocated time. All right. So, but then I was well prepared. I think I was well prepared. So, you know, when I reached the set, uh, we quickly set up everything. We we were moving like well, all machines like the softbox was set up, the light was set up, our camera was good. Uh, we knew what our camera angles was. And, and honestly, the client was spectacular. Like they were magnificent. So if we had a shot, we got our decisions on time and the food was out on time and the chefs were fabulous. And I I was just on top of my game. I was like knocking the shots out one after the other, and you won't believe it. In the end, like at the end of day one, I not only had completed the shoot list for day one, I was, <laughs> I was on day two, boss. I was on day two. So we were like, ah, we we were overachieving. <laughs> we were really delivering very well. And so the next day when I went back. We finished everything earlier than we had anticipated. So instead of two full days, we actually finished the shoot in one and a half days. Now that is something. And this would not have been possible if I didn't have a good grip on my gear or I didn't use the techniques that helped me actually nail the shots and that to a minimal number of attempts. And and all of this comes back to just having a smooth workflow knowing how you roll. (laughs) So all of these things together, they really helped me execute the project in less time and with best results and a happy client. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because everyone has their own workflow. And many a times our workflow actually depends on our schedules Uh, like it could be like you might have a full-time job. So how much time you have available for photography determines your workflow. Your workflow might also depend on the gear that you use, like on also your budget. So do you use a tripod? Do you have an editing application? All of these things, they come down and they determine our workflow. So our workflow is very subjective. It is um, very personal it is how we roll, how we function it really depends on what our working style is what our goal with photography is really like is it a hobby is it a profession? Uh, we we our workflows are different for different purposes and there are other factors too like budget so how much we spend on our gear and what we allocate to it. all right so over time I have established that a few photography practices have been complete game changers in my process, in my workflow. I started photography as a hobby, so I've been there. Today, it is my business, so I am also there. And so I can see how it has changed my workflow. It has gotten me more efficient. And it is with the help of these practices that today I can execute faster and better and I can knock out turkey shots like anything. (laughs) So well, while some of these practices, they need a little extra investment, but many of them are really just about knowing my camera settings and just using the right settings and having good technique so I'm not saying that I'm the best but what I'm saying is that there are things that can help us achieve that all right so if you've been photographing for a while now this might be difficult because it's really hard to break inertia, Inertia, you know, like we all have our rhythm, we all have our workflow. And then today I might introduce some new practices or different practices for you. And it's really hard to adopt new practices because we are used to doing things in a certain way. But my aim here today is to Empower you with the information that you need and what is the potential of these practices so that you're not intimidated, so that you're able to take that leap and so that you're better informed that actually these practices will only make your life easier. Now, there might be a little pain in the beginning, but you know what? A little pain in the beginning sets us for a lifetime of success. All right. So with that, let's dive right in. The first and the most important photography tip or practice, if you're not already doing so, is to shoot on manual mode. All right. Now, do you own a car? Okay. if you do, is it manual or is it automatic? There's a reason I'm asking this. I'm not just wasting your time. All right. So back when I had just finished my graduate program in architecture, I was studying in Texas. I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I got a new job. I was earning real dollars and I could afford a car, I decided to buy a car. Now, there was a small problem that I didn't know how to drive. So first, I spent a few months learning how to drive. And you know, an auto, so I learned how to drive an automatic car. And automatic cars are a blessing, boss, they are a blessing. (laughs) It was so easy to learn. And in a few months, I was like taking trips, I was driving friends, I was visiting Washington, DC. So I was, I was ready to get my own shiny new car. But that decision was not easy. So I had to take some advice. I went to a colleague and she was really into cars. Like everyone I spoke to said, if you're buying a car, you need to speak to Audrey. I was like, okay, fine. Let's speak to Audrey. So apparently Audrey changed cars every year. And at any one given time, she owned like three cars or four cars. So apparently she was the car guru. All right. So I went to her for advice. Who was I? a person who had learned driving for three months. And she, (laughs) she was a pro boss. She was a pro. Anyway, I went to Audrey and I said, Hey, Audrey, I want to buy a new car. I'm a newbie. What would you recommend? And the first question she asked me was manual or automatic? What are you buying? I said, automatic, automatic, only automatic. (laughs) I can't do manual and she just she just gave a huge sigh and then she rolled her eyes and then she was so disappointed she said i never buy automatic so i i i was like yeah i mean uh, but it's okay for me i mean it's so easy and uh i feel like you know uh, that's the car that i learned on so mm, i think i'll go for automatic to which she said well they're not thrilling enough they don't give me enough control Uh, And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, at that time, so I left the conversation a little bit confused, but I honestly felt that an automatic car filled my needs at that time. But then today, when I think back about that conversation, I know exactly what she meant. And the reason I'm telling you this is because have you noticed that those who drive manual cars absolutely love it? They are like they're like f1 drivers boss like (laughs) even though i I, like personally i feel like automatic cars are god sent but for people who want to handle gears for people who would much rather you know have full control they like the stick the experience of changing gears and basically it comes down to just having complete control they absolutely love manual cars the cars with a stick and honestly using a camera on manual mode is somewhat like that. It, it gives you control. And who doesn't like to be in control? We do. So when you shoot in auto mode, the camera makes decisions for you. The camera decides the amount of light that you need. Uh, it even decides your white balance. It tells you what depth of field you like. And when you hit the trigger, it basically gives you the best results as it has been programmed to give you. So it's the camera doing the thinking for you. But hello, we are artists. We don't want programmed models. We are unprogrammed artists. We are wild. We are creative. We, are, we like freedom. We like to create our own program. We like to control what we create. <laughs> and how do we do that? by getting on the manual mode. Take charge of that stick. So, on that manual mode, you decide your light, you decide your ISO, you take charge of your of field, your f-stop, and you decide your shutter speed. When you take the reins in your hands, you truly create art as an artist you are and set out to be. All right, so... When we shift to manual mode, it can be intimidating. I know, I know, I've been there. We need to have like a basic understanding of what ISO is and how the aperture impacts the light and what does the shutter speed do. So once you understand these three uh, components of the exposure triangle, it actually makes it much easier for you to switch to manual mode. Honestly, it just takes a few rounds to get the hang of it. And then comes the whole effort of practicing it regularly. So my favorite way of exploring camera functions is like super duper easy, it's super duper straightforward. All I do is take an apple, a really nice shiny apple. I place it on a table where I get good natural light. And then I just start taking photos on different settings. I study how those different settings translate back to the food and to the photo. And that's it. It's as simple as that. You don't need to do anything fancy. All right. So, guys, I just want to take a moment here. And I wanted to let you know that before I go on to my next tip, that if you'd like a podcast on the exposure triangle, that you'd like to know more about the three components of the exposure triangle, just please send me an email or message me on Instagram and let me know what you'd like to learn so we can create this topic for you. All right, so moving on. Now, that was my first photography tip, which was switching to manual mode on your camera. So Moving on, the second practice is manual focus. I know I'm pushing everything to manual, but hello, we just established we are artists and we take control of our art. So we create what we want and how we want it. Oh, yes. (laughs) So tell me, has it ever happened to you that you finished a shoot and once you sit down to begin editing? you realize that the photo is in sharp. Uh-oh. Well, you wanted the frosting in focus, but because you were using autofocus, the camera picked a random walnut in the brownie and made it the focus. But that is not what you wanted. Again, The camera is programmed to pick up points of focus based on contrast. So it probably didn't find any contrast, you know, in the brown chocolate frosting. So it decided to pick up a random walnut instead. It's food after all. And and probably the camera thought, what difference does it make? It's food after all. So, you know, but it does it does make a difference. It makes a world of a difference to us because that is not the focus of our food. We spent hours creating the best frosting in the world and now our audience will not be able to experience it because the camera decided that the walnut was more important. Well, that's not what we want and Honestly, it's not just for still photos. I think autofocus is very nutty. You have to look out for autofocus. So especially when you do action shots. So, you know, when we are doing that drizzle of honey or we are sifting flour or we're sprinkling sugar, we want that action to be tack sharp so that the audience can experience that action in all its glory. But now the subject is moving. And so the camera, when you're using autofocus, the camera can many times not find focus on one particular spot or a single subject or you know it finds it hard and so it just picks up whatever it can focus on and clap! you click it and that's it. The result is that you end up with blurred action shots. you your focus is not where you want it. So that's not what we want. what we want is to take control because it is our photo. The camera is just a tool that we need to use as we, want to. All right. So the way we do this is actually just first we set up our scene. Then we go and we select our camera settings. Then we go place our hero, uh, which is the food. All right. And then the we use the lens to manually focus, to manually set the focus on the desired details of the hero. Now, that desired detail could be a walnut, if you like. It could also be the food garnish. It could be the uh, frosting, the texture of the frosting. It can be anything that you want, but it has to be intentional. It has to be your decision. And once you set that focus manually, that's it. There you go. You hit trigger and you find that you've hit the perfect Photo for your audience because that's how you make your audience experience what you want them to experience. I mean, that drizzle of honey or that sprinkle of sugar or that, you know, that drop dead delicious chocolate frosting, all of it's captured absolutely sharp in all its glory. So that's what manual focus does for you. It helps you create the experience in your photo by choosing, helping you choose the right focus. All right. From here, we go to number three, game changer number three. It is using a tripod. I know that doesn't sound very earth shattering, but you'll be amazed at how many photographers do not use a tripod Really, I'm not making this up. And, and maybe that's fine. That works for their kind of photography. But there are so many advantages of using a tripod. Why would you not use one? I mean, leave alone the fact that it is downright convenient. It prevents backache. Oh, <laughs> And basically, it just makes your life 1000 times easier. I mean, during a photo shoot, there are so many things that we need to take care of. And having that one less thing to do, is a game changer in itself it makes your workflow so much more efficient But guys I just want you to know that I'm not here to judge you if you're not using a tripod I mean that's completely your decision in fact that's where I was when I started you know when I used to when I started I used to shoot with a phone and (laughs) I actually had a dainty flimsy tripod for it that I thought at the time was very cool but once I graduated to a DSLR, um, I continued to use that flimsy tripod because honestly, a tripod just made my process easier. Uh, but then, yes, it didn't have a horizontal arm. So I kind of like struggled to take flat lays or top down shots. So after several shaky pictures and several blurry shots and a broken back and the fear of almost breaking a leg by standing on a stool and shooting top down. One day, very innocently, I walked, <laughs> I walked into one of the best photography stores in Singapore. And I was carrying that dainty, flimsy phone tripod. All right. So you have to, you have to hear my overconfidence. I walk into the store and I ask the salesman, I say to him, I already have a tripod, boss. Um, I just need a horizontal arm for top-down shots. Would you have one? And the salesman, he looked at me and he looked at my tripod and he looked back at me and he just burst out laughing. And he said, is this the tripod that you're shooting, uh, that you're using for shooting with a DSLR? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, yes. And he just looked at me like, is your camera intact? Has it fallen? Has it broken? Have you looked at this tripod? So, you know, I was very confused because obviously I was very new. I had, I barely started using a DSLR. So sometimes our tripods might look sturdy. They might look like they may do the job, but they are, if they're not meant for a DSLR, please do not use them and save your camera from disaster. (laughs) So when that guy made me realize that one, I was using the wrong tripod and two, that I would leave that store without ammunition, without a right tripod. I, I was nervous. You know, all those backaches, all those blurry photos that I'd ever taken without the tripod started flashing in front of my eyes. I could not walk out of that store without a tripod. I knew that I would ruin my life. Well, so I did what I had to. I actually bought a new tripod right there. And then I took the decision. I I chose one that was like a medium range, kind of fit in my budget. It had a horizontal arm. And so it worked like a boss. So without exaggeration, guys, my photography changed overnight. I cannot even begin to tell you. Number one, I didn't have to resort to any sort of acrobatics to get the top down or the flat lay shot. Basically, my lower back was thanking me. I also did not have to practice like holding my breath and avoiding the shake, you know, to prevent those blurry photos. Basically, I could just set up my camera on the tripod. I could set my focus manually and ta-da! Hands-free, tack-sharp photo in front of me. Perfect. You know what else I could do? I could be in the photo myself. (laughs) Either I could just be... In front, like all of me in that straight on shot, or I could just have my hands in the flat lay. Now, you know how much difference a human element in the photo makes. And a tripod was allowing me to do all of these things. Like, could there be a better game changer? So guys, today, even today, during my client client photo shoots, I actually organize all my shots based on camera angles. And it helps me move faster and deliver good quality results. You know, I think a tripod is like it's like one of those game changers that mm, I, I know it requires investment, but this one is really worth it. I mean, especially if you are trying hard to improve your food photography. So you can always you can always choose a tripod that kind of fits your budget. And all you have to do is then use it and watch how it improves your workflow. You know, a tripod was a game changer for me then. And today I would die if I didn't have it with me on a photo shoot. (laughs) All right. With that, I will come to the next game changer, which is shooting tethered. Now, raise your hand if you shoot tethered and give me a virtual high five because you, my friend, are rocking another photography game changer. Yep it is that important. You know, I think I have to tell you this, (laughs) this is so funny. So I think um, it had been about a month since I started using a DSLR. And I signed up for a dark and moody food photography workshop with a local photographer in town here in Singapore. So on the day of the workshop, so you have to know that I had been shooting with a DSLR for 30 days or less, I can't remember or maybe less. All right. So on the day of the workshop, I reached the venue and we have a little chit chat, my warm cup of tea. And then how long have you been shooting? And I was like, oh, it's been 30 days today, something like that, you know. So we were we were just warming up. And then suddenly the host photographer, she asked me, so do you shoot tethered? Uh, I was silent. I had no idea what she meant. She asked again, like, do you know what shooting tethered means? Like, I was there for a workshop. I should have just said, no, I don't know. Can you explain it to me? But uh-uh, no, very overconfidently and not wanting to obviously look ignorant. I said, oh, oh yes, of course I do. And she said, so what do you what is it? I said, oh, well, shooting tethered means shooting with control and having self-restraint as an artist. She looked at me and she had no expressions on her face. Like tethering in English means either tied or restrained. And I had directly translated that meaning into photography, cooked up a whole definition of my own just to not sound silly. Well, we all know who ended up looking silly. But anyway, (laughs) so the photographer then, like she didn't say a word to me. She, She got up, she walked, she brought her laptop, she opened Lightroom, she attached a cable to her camera one end of the cable went into the camera, the other end of the cable went into her laptop, and then she took a photo by clicking in Lightroom, and the photo showed up directly in Lightroom and on that big screen, and I was like, "Whoa!" And then she looked at me and she said, "This is what shooting tethered is." And <laughs> I could not I couldn't believe what a fool I'd made of myself, but that's how I learned what shooting tethered was. And then I kept wondering how I had not known about this magical practice up until then. Like, gosh, I honestly felt like maximizing the photos, you know, on the tiny camera viewfinder that we have and hitting that plus, 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 plus sign and then checking the focus, checking the conversation. Oh, my God. In just 30 days, I thought I would lose my eyes. And then suddenly there is this whole new thing where you can literally see the photo on big screen and just by connecting your camera to the laptop, You can can see the composition in live view, you can check the details, you can check the sharpness, you can even edit as you go. Oh my god, this was life-changing, that woman had changed my life. And if there was one thing that I learned in that workshop, it was the meaning of (laughs) shooting tethered. So, By shooting tethered, like literally, you can click remotely from your laptop, like even from your phone, you can have a remote, remote, a physical remote itself. You can shoot with that. And honestly, you can have the best quality photos so that your energy is not really spent, you know, uh, not in hitting that plus plus sign. It's actually spent on the right things like manipulating the light, creating the composition. And when you see the photo appear on that big screen, you can make changes easily. You know what it's looking like. Change, change your composition, change your light manipulators and just take a few trial shots. I mean, it makes your process so much efficient. In fact, I always shoot tethered on client photo shoots. Like there's no question I wouldn't. And that's because the client can see the photos on the spot. They can approve the photos on the spot and literally there are no surprises whatsoever in the end. It's a win-win for everybody. I mean, there is nothing that you can lose by shooting tethered, And you can only imagine how it improves your workflow. Like I don't even need to say it. But what I need to say is what's next? Our fifth game changer. All right. So this is my last game changer tip and it is editing your photos. Now, even though editing is the last practice I'm talking about, Out of everything, out of the four others that I've talked about today, editing was honestly the first change I made to my photography process. No kidding. In fact, I began editing when I was still taking photos from my phone. And at that time, it was just a hobby. So, you know, I used to scroll through all these photos on Instagram, on social media, and I would be like, why does their photo look better than mine? I mean, leaving aside the fact that there were better photos than mine, (laughs) but the colors, the, the feel, the, there was something about them that, was, that told me that even if I leave alone the difference between a DSLR and a phone, there was still something else that my photos were missing. And the more I, f- I read about it, the more I found out, I realized that the problem was editing. You know, when the camera captures a photo, it's usually very different from real life. You know, the colors, the light, they're all different from the way a camera sees it versus our eyes see it. So it again, it just falls back on us. We are the artists, we are the photographers. We need to bring our vision to life the way we want our audience to experience it. So even before I learned how to use a DSLR, I actually learned how to use Lightroom. I mean, that's how powerful editing was. I used to shoot with my iPhone on my dainty little (laughs) tripod, but I used to edit in Lightroom. So literally that's how powerful it was. And, you know, I realized that like creating moods or really, really bringing that visual story to life, you know, by enhancing the colors or even bringing out those textures or really making a photo pop on digital screen just like our eyes experienced it, just like when we took the photo, just like we want our audience to visualize it, it is what editing helps us with. Editing is the key to making your visual story come alive. It is the key and I will say it again and again. I always say that editing can bring your photos to life, but it cannot salvage a poorly taken photo. I mean, when we take the photo, we have to make sure that our light is correct, that our composition is in place, and that the photo that we have taken is robust, that the shadows are in the right spot, the highlights are in the right place, the composition is telling the story that we want to tell. And once we have all of that in place that's when editing comes in to enhance that story. You cannot use editing to salvage a not-so-great photo. I mean, that in general, like you could probably use Photoshop to salvage a not-so-great photo, but then that doesn't make us very efficient, does it? (laughs) Editing allows us to bring out that power of our photography in full force. I mean, if you've ever been... On social media, you know how many photographers show the before and after of editing? And so you know that I'm not exaggerating. You know from that that I'm not exaggerating when I say that editing is a game changer. Now editing, the choice of application for editing is, is endless. You can choose whatever application works for you. You could choose, you could use Lightroom or Photoshop, Capture One, Snapseed, like whatever works for you, whether you use a DSLR or a camera, but you have to do editing. You have to edit your photos to bring that powerful finishing touch to your work. All right, guys. So with that, I conclude my top five photography tips that have been absolute game changers for me. I couldn't ever function without them. And I don't think I would be where I am today without any of them. Now, these practices have helped me grow as a photographer and present my art as I visualize it in my head, without breaking my back and without letting the camera take me for a ride on auto mode. (laughs) And I really hope that this episode takes away any doubt that you may have, you know, about switching to manual mode or adopting a new practice, like break the inertia. These practices are total game changers. And I know that they will allow you to be the artist that you are. And they will allow you to take Full control. All right. So if you enjoyed that episode, guys, and if you found it useful, then I would please request you to subscribe on whichever platform that you are listening. And if you're an iTunes or Apple podcast person, then I have one extra request from you. And it would be fabulous, fabulous, fabulous if, it, if you could please leave me a rating and a feedback. It would mean so much to me, guys. And for all of you who are looking to make your workflow a little bit more efficient, I do have a free guide which is called the 10-step shoot and that can help you establish your photography process if you have any doubts or you're struggling with it. All you need to do is email me or send me a DM on Instagram. And I'll have it over to you. Oh, by the way, it's also linked in the show notes if you'd like. Thank you so much for listening today in spite of my broken voice. (laughs) Guys, I so appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcast episodes. They mean a lot to me. All right. And you should know that. So until next time, I'll be back with another episode. I'll see you then. Bye bye.